Thanks for joining us today on the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Enjoy today's message from Pastor Mike McGowan. Um, and welcome to part three of our message series, Love Handles, where we're talking about you know, our relationships and how to make them kind and loving and life-giving. And uh, teaching with me again today is my beautiful wife, Amy. Let's give her a round of applause. Can we do that? I know she hates when all the attention's on her. I know. Uh, <laughs> but look, in this series, we're talking about how we're talking really about every kind of relationship marriages, uh, parent to child, uh, children back to parents, you know, with uh, employees and fiancés and friends and co workers and in laws and pets. Not pets. Right, maybe not pets. Not but pets. pretty much every relationship you can think about. The principles and the things we're talking about in this series apply to all of those relationships. And, um, and, and we're calling these principles that God's given us, we're calling them love handles. Because it helps us get a handle on love in those relationships. So obviously, like, we're not talking about these kinds of love handles, okay? Because these are not from God, right? <laughs> these are from Bluebell, all right? <laughs> but ironically, I, I believe that Bluebell is from God. So, you know. Okay. I don't even know how to respond to you when you start all that. Uh, but seriously, um, we are going to be talking about um, God's principles about and referring to them as the love handles that help us get a grip on our relationships, the things that help our relationships to be better. And not only have Mike and I found these to be true in our relationship and in our relationships, but there have been lots of Christ followers over the years that have implemented this. And what they have found to be true is that these principles work. I mean, because these aren't our ideas. These are God's truths. Yeah. And when we put them into practice, if each one of us would take these love handles and these principles and put them into practice, we will find that they will work. Yeah, they will work. Um, and so we arrive at our message today. Our message today is titled, It's Not You, It's Me. But look, let's be honest. When we're having problems in relationships, we really think, oh, no, it is you. <laughs> right? I mean, we, we always think it's the other person because, um, you know, because we always think, you know what? If you would just change. Like, if you would just stop being so dramatic or so selfish or so self-absorbed or if you quit drinking or if you quit spending or, you know, if it's, if it's one of your adult children, if you just move out. You know, that somehow the relationships would go better, right? That, 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 that's just what we think. But like we've talked about in this series, in a relationship, the only person that you can actually change is you. You can't change the other person. The only person in a relationship you can change is you. Because look, I mean, even in our relationship, for years, I've tried to just change you, right? Doesn't work. No, it's never worked. It's never worked. No, it's, it's probably not ever going to work. Probably not. <laughs> no, seriously, since you are the only person that can change you, any real change has to start with you, which True. is why today's love handle is so important. Yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, today's love handle uh, is probably the single greatest thing that's changed our marriage. The love handle we're going to talk about today is the single best thing that you could possibly do in any relationship that you have. Um, it's changed our marriage. It's changed our friendships. It's changed how I interact with you know people at church, with people you know here in the office at the church. Yeah, and I think it's made us better parents. Absolutely. I mean, I think practicing this love handle has helped mm -hmm. us to be 
just more patient and more kind and, you know, not as easily frustrated or as easily angered. Yeah, and I'm telling you, if, if all of us would put today's love handle into practice, I'm telling you, God will use it to change every relationship that you and I have from this day forward. Because today's love handle, it'll change you more than it'll change anything else. And when God changes you, that in turn changes every relationship that you have. That's right. So what does God say about changing me? Well, before we give you today's love handle, we need to talk about a principle that is really important for every Christ follower to really get a hold of and to believe. Because until you believe today's, until you believe God's principle, you can't get a hold of the God's love handle and it just won't work. So what's the first one? Here's your first fill in. I'm most alive when I'm in an active relationship with Jesus. So I'm most alive when I'm in an active relationship with Jesus. This principle is found throughout the Bible. It's found in many of the Psalms. It's found in Isaiah. It's found throughout the New Testament. Um, But probably the most Mm well-known is a verse where Jesus is talking. And um, it's in John 10.10. This is a great verse for you to memorize. Um, So if you haven't memorized it, I would encourage you this week to memorize it. But look with me at John 10, 10. It says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now the thief here is really referring to the devil. So if you wanna write devil right next to thief or like put little horns or something right there, you can. Um, Thief. Oh my word. Okay. Too much coffee. That is, you are out of control. Oh my word. Anyway, so what Jesus is telling us, you're so distracting. So what Jesus is telling us is that the thief will stop at nothing to try to kill, steal, and destroy you. And that can, he can use anything. He can use addiction like alcohol addiction or drug abuse or um, a pornography addiction. He will use abuse like physical abuse or sexual abuse. He'll use um, a broken relationship where you feel rejected and abandoned. And he'll use things like greed and pride or anger. I mean, he will do anything to try to destroy you. And I'm sure you've seen how he has tried to destroy the people around you and even the ways that he has attempted to destroy your life. Yeah. But the part, the part that we really want to focus on today is actually the second half of this verse. It's where Jesus says that he came so that we could have life and have it to the full. Okay, now look, that does not mean that Jesus just wants you to have more stuff, okay? Because more stuff does not necessarily mean more happiness. It, it, it just simply means more stuff. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus says he's, he wants us to have more life to our life. He wants our lives to be more enjoyable, regardless of the stuff we have. I mean, like, I, for instance, for me, like some of the sweetest times I've ever had in my entire life were back when I was making $700 a month before taxes. I was still going to school, working on my master's degree. I was living in a triplex, okay? Because I couldn't afford a duplex. I lived in a triplex. And I still couldn't afford the rent there, so I had to have a roommate, okay? I mean, but you know what? My times with Jesus were so sweet and so meaningful, and I was more alive, so alive on the inside, honestly, it was better than anything that money could buy. 
I mean, it, it really was. It was a great time in my life. Yeah, and I think about, um, for me, when I was single and I was in grad school and I was living in Virginia and I was far away from all my friends and all my family, it was a really hard and lonely season for me. But it was one of the sweetest seasons I've ever had um, in my relationship with Jesus. So I think sometimes when Jesus is all you have, like you really do realize he truly is all you really need. And for me, having to depend on him for everything in every aspect of my life, I actually found myself more fulfilled um, and more alive than I ever had up to that point in my relationship with him. Because I think it's really what this verse is talking about, about him wanting to give us a life that's full. Yeah, think about it like this. Um, remember what you felt like when you first fell in love? I, do, do you remember what you felt like inside and how, how alive you felt? Like, you didn't feel alive because you had a lot of stuff. You didn't feel alive because, you know, you were driving a new car or, you know, you didn't feel alive because, you know, you had less body fat than a stick of wood, okay? <laughs> Most of us now is more like a stick of butter, Michael. but it's all right. You, you didn't feel alive because of any of that external stuff. You felt alive because of the relationship that you were in. That's the point. Yeah. And I think that may sound kind of a little bit like religiously overpromising, um, but really I'm telling you from personal experience and from just talking with other people who have had that kind of active growing relationship with Christ, he will fill you in such a way, not only do you feel fulfilled, but it's, it's really kind of like when you fell in love for the first time. Mm -hmm. But for the relationship to mean anything, it's gotta be active. You know, I think there are a lot of people that would say that they have a relationship with Jesus, but it's dormant. You know, they're not talking to him, they're not um, sharing their heart with him, they're not pouring out their heart to him, and they're not allowing him to speak back to them, either in the prayer time or in a time, you know, just, you know, Bible study and reading the word. And when it's like that, it's kind of like just going through the motions and you don't feel very alive. Kind of like in a marriage when you're just going through the motions, that doesn't feel very alive either. And so the key is that the relationship has to be active. Yeah. Now, before we, before we move on, I want to catch this last verse. This is so incredible. Um, in Colossians 1.16, here's what the Bible says. It says, all things were created by him and for him. So that means that not only were you created by God, but you were created for God. That means that part of your created purpose is that you were created for a relationship with God. That means that your, your created purpose is, you know, just way more than just you attending church and being a good person. It means that your created purpose is way more than um, just giving to charity and doing some good deeds. It means that your created purpose is way more than just obeying God and teaching your kids to do the same. It means that part of your created purpose is that you are to be in an active relationship with God. And if you are not, then you are missing out on part of the reason why you were created in the first place. And it's that active relationship with God. And honestly, more specifically, it's an active relationship with Jesus. Because the hymn that's referred to here in this verse is actually Jesus Christ. So you were created 
for a relationship with Christ. Each of us were. But to get there, we have to commit to this next point. So number two is die to self by asking God to change me first. So die to self by asking God to change me first. Because remember, the only person that you can change is you. So look with me at these next verse. It's in Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, the Bible says that I'm supposed to offer myself as a living sacrifice. So that doesn't mean that I need to literally die. It means I need to live in such a way that I'm dying to myself and living for him. So I'm dying to my needs, my wants, my desires, and living for him. So it becomes what this verse says, this true and proper act of worship. So our worship is more about living for him than it is about singing songs. I mean, it's really a different way to look at it. Right, well, and honestly, there's there's so many ways to apply this verse, but one key way that we can apply this verse is to start praying a prayer that says, God, change me first. Because look, when, there, when there's problems in relationships, most of the time, don't we default to, God, I need you to change the other person. Or God, I need you to change this circumstance. But what if we started praying, God, change me first. I mean, that, that, would, that would change everything. Now, God still might change the other person. He still might change the circumstance. But what if we started praying, God, Change me first. Because look, like we've said in this series, virtually every relationship problem you've ever experienced is because someone has made a selfish choice. But if we were all truly honest, I think we would all say that some of those selfish choices have been ours. And so what if we began to pray, instead of God change that other person or change the circumstances, what if we began to pray, God, change me first. That we die to ourselves by saying, God, change me first. Yeah. And I think to be honest, most of the time we like to go to God like little kids kind of tattling. Like, did you see the way she just looked at me? Did you hear how he snapped at me? I mean, you better fix him and you better fix him fast or it's not going to be pretty. I mean, we kind of go in this tattling way. And I just wonder if our Heavenly Father is up there just like, you know what? What about your tone of voice? And what about your attitude? And what about the way that you snapped at him? Or what about the way that you are talking about them with your coworkers? I mean, what if we started there? I hate it when he does that with me. It's really convicting. You know, and as a therapist, where I see the most change is not when people come in and say, here's the problem, this is the problem, I needed to change them. Because remember, we, we can't change anybody else. But when I see breakthrough, it's when people get to the place of saying, I can't change them, I have to change me. But the real breakthrough comes when they say, I can't change myself, God, I need you to change me. 
because I can't control or change my thoughts Mm -hmm. or my words or my emotions. Only you can do that. And so God, would you change me? And when that happens, I start to see miraculous things happen in relationships Mm -hmm. because the expectation is no longer for the other person to change. And it's no longer this pressure for us to do all the changing, but it's really getting ourselves in a place of saying, God, would you change me? And so would you be willing to start praying that prayer, God, change me first? Because I'm telling you, that's when the breakthrough in our relationships really happen. And that brings us to today's love handle. And here it is. I want you to write this down. Today's love handle is this. Make time for God daily. Make time for God daily. Now, look, do, do not mistake the fact that this feeling might be a little bit predictable or that it might be a little underwhelming at first glance. Do not let that underestimate its power. Because I am telling you, um, it is through this love handle that that's how God showed me that Amy was the person I was supposed to spend the rest of my life with. It, it, it's through this love handle that God helps me respond to her needs differently than what just would come naturally. It's through this love handle that God makes me a better husband, a better dad, a better pastor, uh, honestly, just a better person. And the same is true for me. When I am practicing this love handle, I mean, I'm a better wife, and I can guarantee you I'm a much better mom, and I'm a better friend, I'm a better therapist. I mean, I'm a better person because when I make time to spend time with God, he takes my heart and he sets it in a direction that's more in line with him. And when I do that, not only does my day go better, but my relationships go better. So true. Look, and I'm telling you, look, the the exact same thing is true for you. If you will choose to make time for God daily, it'll make you a better mom. It'll make you a better dad. It'll make you a better wife, a better husband, a better friend, a better boss, a better employee, just an all-around better person. Look, and if you're single and you want to be married one day, you need to start this habit of spending time alone with God because, look, think about it. All of us, when we spend time alone with God, it changes us because when we sit alone with God and he shows us some things about his character, that also highlights some things about our character and about who we are that he wants to change. And when we spend time alone with him, I'm telling you, just like any other relationship, we begin to become more like the person we spend time with. And that includes God. So I'm telling you, spending time alone with God changes everything. And ironically, even Jesus needed to spend time alone with God. And you'd think that, like, Jesus is the son of God. Like, he doesn't need to spend time alone with God. Jesus is perfect. He didn't need to spend time alone with God. No, no, no. In fact, the very opposite is true. I want you to look at this incredibly powerful verse in Mark 135. It's, it's been a long time, one of my very favorite verses. It says this. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So look, even Jesus made sure that he spent time alone with God. And, and if he needed to do that, how much more do we need to do that, right? Yeah, and I think the biggest pushback for all of us is, wait, spend more time, like spend time with God. That's adding something 
to my to-do list and I already don't have enough time. I mean, most of us are overcommitted as it is. We have way more things on our list than we have time to actually do them. And so the thought of adding something in feels a little overwhelming. But I want you to see, in the, if you look in the context of those verses, like what Jesus had been doing the day before, he'd been performing miracles, he'd been healing the sick, he'd been driving out demons. I mean, he had had a full day and he had a lot going on. I imagine the next day, it probably would have been nice to sleep in a little bit, but I can guarantee you, he already had people kind of pressuring him. Look, Jesus, there's a lot more to do today. There's a whole crowd waiting to be healed. There's a whole group of people that wanna meet with you. But you know what Jesus did? He went and spent time with God first, not because he had time, but because he made time. That's true. And you know what? The same is true for you and me. Like, we need to make time to spend with Jesus every day, okay? And, and, and I say every day. I gotta, look, we're all going to miss some days, okay? I miss some days. We're all going to miss some days. But the truth is, we need, still need to make time to spend alone with Jesus Every day, as best we can. And here's the deal. The days that I do miss, the days that I don't spend alone with Jesus, that tends to be the days when my relationships don't go that well. Absolutely. I mean, I think... I wasn't meaning like absolutely I can tell when you haven't spent time with the Lord. I'm just saying... Well, that's what you meant. No, it's not what I meant. No. What I'm saying is it's very obvious when one of us or both of us haven't, hasn't spent time with the Lord because yeah. things just don't go as smoothly that's, for us and we tend so to true, be true. snappier with each, with each other. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're different and our quiet times look different. I mean, yeah. for me, I love being outside. I would rather be outside than anywhere else. And so a quiet time for me is getting my coffee and my blanket and going and sitting on the back porch and I have my worship music and my Bible and I am really connected with the Lord because I'm outside. But like that would make you crazy. Oh my gosh, I cannot possibly spend time alone with God outside. I, I just get too distracted by bugs. I mean, I just can't, like I'm serious, like I really can't do it. So I spend my time alone with God indoors, like in my little office at home, kneeling down by my chair. Uh, and I, I tend to spend my time with God early in the morning before everybody else gets up because I just get, I just get too distracted otherwise, okay? Now, if you've never spent time alone with God outside of church, then we want to help you. Um, and so Amy and I want to tell you the things that we do and our own personal times with God, like how that goes. But rather than take up more time in this service to tell you the specifics of how we do it, each one of us have filmed a short video and we have put that on our church app so that you can go watch it anytime you want to and you just watch it right there on your phone. And um, Pastor Adam and his wife Robin, he's the pastor at our North Katy location, they've also filmed a short video about what they do in their own personal times alone with God, so you can watch that too. So there's uh, four videos that you can watch, you watch any one of them or all of them or whatever you want, and that way you can get some ideas of what you might want to do by listening to what other people and what they do in their personal time alone with God. Absolutely, and when I think about my quiet time and spending time with God, I try to think about it like this. I'm created in the image of God. 
but I'm not always a very good reflection of his image. And so I need to spend time with him so that he can start shaving off the things in my heart that don't reflect him very well. Kind of like kind of shave off some of that impatience or shave off some of that irritability or shave off some of that self-centeredness. And as he shaves those things off, I become a better reflection of his image. And the things that do reflect his image, I kind of have this picture of him like polishing it so that I'm a better reflection of who he is. And see, when I do that, it changes me first. And then that overflows into my relationships. And so if you've never had like that habit of spending time alone with God in your life, would you commit to give it a try? And I don't mean just try it for a day or a week. I'm talking about weeks, a month, several months, because here's the thing, it's kind of like a diet. We'd all like to see results after day one, right? But that's not how it works. It's only when we're disciplined and we have the same consistent commitments that we do over and over, the cumulative effect of that is what really makes a big difference for us. Mm -hmm. And that's the same way in our relationship with God. And here's something that I've discovered. When I put God first and I make spending time with him a priority, somehow he just supernaturally makes it so that everything that I need to get done that day gets done. Yeah, it's true. And look, and if you've never spent time alone with God before, you know, if, and you're like a, kind of a planning person, you know, kind of like I am, okay. you, you ought to maybe plan 10 to 15 minutes. And now it'll grow as you grow in that relationship, but at least start with about that much, okay? And speaking of starting, every relationship has a starting point, right? I mean, every relationship you've ever been in, there's always a starting point. And it's the same thing in a relationship with God. The starting point in a relationship with God is when you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life, to forgive you, and you commit to follow him. So if you've never done that before, that's where you have to start. It's where everybody starts. And if you're ready to do that, there's a prayer, it's in your message notes, and I want you to take a few minutes, I want you to pray that. Because here's the thing, when you start a relationship with God, or when you become active in that relationship with God, it changes you. And it changes you for the better. And that, in turn, changes every relationship you have for the better. So, bow your head, close your eyes, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for all the ways that over the years you've changed me during those personal times alone with you. And I thank you how you've changed Amy, too, how you've changed each one of us. And I pray that for every person listening today that's willing to start that you would use this one love handle to change them more than any other single thing that they could ever do. Because it's when we are active in our relationship with you, doing that thing that we were created to do, that that's how you change us. And we better reflect you in every relationship in our lives. And so, Father, I ask you to use that to help make us better husbands, better wives, better fiancés, better bosses, employees, friends. And so you would use that time alone with you to make us more like you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. You can find more information about Parkway Fellowship by visiting our website, parkwayfellowship.com. 
and be sure to download our mobile app for previous message series, video content, and much more.